0: What is up everybody i mean we're coming to you right at the end of this game between the bills and the chiefs if you're listening to this on podcast for so we appreciate you also we do this we're going to do this live next week as well after the playoff games over on youtube so head over to youtube um and uh and check us out i'm raymond Summerlin. this is sharp angles podcast i'm joined by tucker bagley and curtis hirsch and like i said the game literally just went final between the chiefs and the bills we had another wide right in Buffalo. What are we now, 20 years on? No, 30 years on from 30, the I think. original wide right? More than 30. 30, yeah, 30. Yeah, no, definitely 30. I, I, In my brain, the 90s were still uh, 10 years ago. So I'm happy that I got 20 out of there instead of 30. But yeah, 30, year, 30 years after a uh, wide right. I mean, just an unbelievable game with controversial calls all up and down the field. And ultimately. All of those controversial calls didn't matter. All that mattered was a maybe, a maybe a missed read and throw from Josh Allen and a missed field goal uh, from a very good field goal kicker. And I just, I don't know what to say. I guess we're just going with gut, Curtis. Right, right off the top here, what's kind of your reaction as we, as we sit right here in the wake of this game?
1: Yeah, I said last week, uh did never rule out Patrick. Yeah, it looks like.
0: We might have lost Curtis a little bit. How about you, Tucker? What do you got?
2: Yeah, I mean, like Curtis, I'm I'm speechless, right? I mean, what a game. I think finally living up to the hype. Like, we do this every week, and every week we talk about, man, next week, you know, this game is going to be the, the best of the year, and more often than not, they fall flat. But for this game to live up to the hype that, you know, the the previous iterations of Chiefs Bills in the playoffs, you know, the, this high standard that it set, I mean... First three quarters, I thought, were unbelievable. Even the fourth has, you know, both offense, offenses kind of sputtered a little bit and really struggled to to put either team away. Both teams had a number of chances in the final 10 minutes to to really, you know, stake their claim and put their foot on the throat of the, the opponent. The fact that it came down to something like that, just a, a missed kick, a kick that when they are lining up for it, I was ecstatic. Like, we're going to get overtime. We're going to get Patrick Mahomes with, you yeah. know, a minute 45 to go to drive down the field and you know maybe kick a game-winning field goal of their own i I was excited to see it come down to the end so unfortunate for tyler bass unfortunate for buffalo and kind of unfortunate for us as football fans because i really wanted to see how that game would end with both of those teams tied with like a minute 45 left
1: yes Sorry, uh, Canadian snowstorm internet outage up here, I guess. Uh, yeah, we, we were never getting to overtime. That that was way too much time for Patrick Mahomes to have the ball, but at least we would have seen a little bit better of a finish. I thought the first three quarters were absolutely the best football we've seen in a long, long time, and then the fourth quarter was a myriad of mistakes, from the play callers to the quarterbacks being afraid to make mistakes. So. Three quarters, we had a, such a great game. And then that fourth quarter just kind of let it let us down and a little disappointed for that. But we get to see Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson in the AFC Championship. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, speaking of the play calls, I mean, the what would have been a very controversial play if things had gone the other way was that Andy Reid called a uh, I guess pop pass or end around. I believe it was a pass, ended up being a pass in the score, in the box score for me, Hardeman Hardiman, who. He had two touches today. He fumbled both of them. One of them, the Chiefs were able to recover. The second one went out of the end zone for a fumble, which I, I, we don't need to have that argument here. I think it's the worst rule in football. Apparently there was some reporting. I think it was Jeremy Fowler who came out and said, there's a lot of momentum to change that rule. And so hopefully we're going to see the end of that rule. But ultimately I saw Tucker's face. I think
2: Curtis and I, you and I are in the worst rule. Let's have it. Tucker, you don't, you you don't, like you like that rule? Yeah, I don't know why we need to give offenses do overs if they're loose with the ball. Like, if you throw an interception in the red zone, should it not count because you did all that work to so, make it down the field? I just I, I don't understand why in a league that prioritizes offense so much, the idea that you can do whatever you want with the football within a couple yards of the the goal line and and it be okay and you not be penalized, I think is silly. I, I think it doesn't because be it doesn't
0: to- the pro- the problem is it doesn't it doesn't match up with what we do throughout the entire rest of the field. If your argument is for it's this, I feel very strongly about this zone. one. It's very different. Okay. Well then you just said, you just said it shouldn't be different just because you drove all the way down the field. So you, like you can't have both of those positions. It, if you fumble the ball out of bounds in the rest of the field, it, you retain possession why would it be different anywhere else now if you want to say okay if you fumble the ball out of the bounds the rest of the field then you also lose the football that makes sense to me let's at least be let's at least be consistent i don't think we should do that but like let's at least be consistent the the defense also didn't recover the ball so you're recording you're rewarding them for not recovering the ball when you don't do that anywhere else on the field and so that rule I I knew we shouldn't have talked about it. This is the most, this is the most uh, like, I think of all sports arguments. Like I get a lot, like people are like, Oh, this guy's better than this guy. I don't really care about those. This rule bothers me so much because of the inconsistency of it, because it's not what we do with any other fumble in any other place on the field. And I don't get why it would be different. It doesn't make any sense to me why we would give the other team the ball without them recovering it. That does that. It's very confusing to me, but I'll let you say I'll let you have the last word on that, Tucker.
2: No, I, I just I, I disagree. I think in a league that, you know, is built on parity and built on being competitive, the idea that a defense can kind of pull a rabbit out of their hat and, and can get a stop at the goal on like that, I, I think is huge. I just I think it's entertaining. I think it's good for football. I think it makes games competitive. And I don't think necessarily that offenses need to be bailed out. Inside the the three yard line, like I don't know, everyone coming to micole harman's defense, saying that it's a dumb rule, it's okay, don't worry about Mikael Hardman. I think it's. Said. I don't want and my favorite part. Of I don't the whole want thing to be accused of defending
0: Mikael Hardman. I do not want to be <laughs> accused of defending <laughs> Mikael Hardman. I want that to be very
2: clear. I just think it's funny. Everyone knew it was coming. As soon as I saw him fumble, I thought, "Here we go." Let's go on Twitter no. and see everybody bring up the same like. I'm sure if you go back six weeks, everyone who tweeted tonight about it tweeted the same exact thing six weeks ago when it happened in another game, and they tweeted about it last year when it happened in another game. No one's mind is going to change. I think it's hilarious that people think it, it's some big hot topic when nothing's changed in a very long time.
1: Uh, Ray had ulterior motives for McCole Hardman to get into the end zone. That is, but, hold on. But that is accurate, you- I will say we've learned from the chiefs isaiah pacheco travis kelsey roshi rice no one else like what are you doing giving the ball to McCole hardman at the one yard line that we we've had 17 weeks to figure this out and they had finally figured it out and in the most important play of the season they hand the ball off to McCole hardman and look what happens just it can happen three guys that that's how you the only way that you're moving forward is just keep the ball through those three guys
0: And I think that, and like, think that's we can find common ground on why are they giving the ball to Michael Hardman in that situation? Like, especially after the first fumble, I went, okay, so that's the end of that. My lineup that was doing pretty well that had Hardman in it, that thing's dead. And then they give it to him at the goal line. I just so confusing. But what you will say about this offense is this Chiefs offense the last two weeks has looked a lot better. Definitely looked very good uh, tonight. They were able to get Travis Kelsey going. He scores two touchdowns. I think my question here is. Was is what we've seen from this Chiefs offense, them kind of returning to form. Or is it them taking advantage of two defenses that had very clear injury concerns at a specific position? Because at one point in the fourth quarter, and I assume that it remained this throughout the game, I didn't have a chance to look it up after the game, the Chiefs were in 12 or 13 personnel for nearly 50% of their plays. They were very clearly taking advantage of the Bills injuries at linebackers, the, the lack of talent, and the lack of kind of just healthy bodies they had at linebacker. And so and they were able to do that against the Dolphins as well. And so part of me thinks that what we've seen here from this Chiefs offense is kind of a mirage. Now, there's still Patrick Holmes. Uh, Patrick Holmes still very good, right? But I think that this offense is probably still a lot more like what we saw from the regular season than what they've been able to do the last two games, and especially this game against Buffalo. And especially going into this now Ravens defense that they're going to have to play. uh, Tucker, I don't have a lot of faith. It's still
2: in this Chiefs offense of what they're going to be able to do. Yeah, they still haven't done a, a ton to make you think that they've changed, right? They're they're doing little things around the margins, but I mean, they still averaged almost eight yards per play today. They averaged seven point seven. Um, oh yeah, they were great play, and they only ran forty-seven plays on offense. Like they had twenty had the ball for I think twenty-two minutes throughout the game. Like their their efficiency, I thought, was incredible. It honestly, reminded me of the Super Bowl last year where the Eagles just held the ball for so long and it didn't matter because Patrick Hol- Mahomes was scoring you know, on, on five play drives, move the ball 75 yards down the field. So I do think that we have seen improvement over what they were, you know, through spurts in the regular season, think about how they went like a month without scoring a touchdown in the second half. They really struggled towards the end of the season, to just kind of find their footing. But I mean, Travis Kelsey finally had a, a big game for the first time in a while, scored his first touchdown since week 11. Like I, I think they have been praying on weaker competition, but, This is an offense that a few weeks ago, I don't know if we were confident they could have done that. So I do think it's a step in the right direction, but I think heading into Baltimore against that defense is certainly a huge step up in competition um, than what we
1: saw the last two weeks.
0: Where are you on this Chiefs offense, Curtis?
1: Yeah, they did exactly what they had to do. The plan was out there and Andy Reid was smart enough to take advantage of it, but they're definitely going to have to come up with something for next week because this isn't, the last, this isn't the Bills. This isn't the Dolphins. This is a Mike McDonald defense that gives you something different every single time you're stepping up to spike that football. So it'll be interesting. They're going to have to probably rely on Patrick Mahomes next week and let's see what they, let's see what they can do. But at least their defense has been able to step up. So how many points do they really need to score next week? I I don't know. 24? Can they? Maybe. Yeah, that's kind
0: of where we are, especially after we so saw we saw the Ravens' passing game struggle a little bit against the Texans. They weren't able to get the big plays. It was, I mean, Lamar Jackson was efficient. Lamar Jackson ran for 100 yards, and their offense was fine, but we didn't see kind of like big plays and stuff out of that of the Ravens. So yeah, maybe there's something there where this Chiefs' offense doesn't have to be as good as maybe we we think they need to be. I think that's an interesting point, Curtis.
1: Is the line out yet? Any, anyone uh, I don't that? know
0: we we didn't have a chance like, to look at it. Yeah, uh, when, when is uh, the last we do have time here?
1: Pat Mahomes has been more than a field goal underdog ever if ever.
0: We do have from producer Matt here that the Super Bowl odds coming out of this game, we got the 49ers plus 145, the Ravens plus 200, Chiefs plus 350, and the Lions plus 750. The Lions continue to get no respect, no respect heading in to San Francisco for the bills I mean we do have to talk about the bills here I feel you just feel awful for Bill's fans uh another you know wide right like I it's so tough this team has been so good in the regular season I real quick uh from producer matt thanks Matt uh Baltimore minus three and a half next week total 45 and a half so there we are yeah more than a field goal underdog as it stands right here after the game The Bills have been so good over the last four regular seasons. I I believe they're 48 and 18. I had to do the math real quick right after the game, but they're five and four in the playoffs. Their last four playoffs have now ended a loss in Kansas city, a loss in Kansas city, a loss at home against the Bengals, a loss at home against Kansas city. Those are the two teams right in the AFC that have been there with them throughout this entire thing. And they uh, have, have come up short against them for four playoffs in a row. And I just, I don't know where we go from here, Tucker, like our, is this a bad enough situation? Is is it kind of like we need to change something with McDermott? Like, where where are we going from here with the Bills? Because it's it's just again we keep they keep tripping over this same hurdle, and it's it has to be frustrating for Bills fans.
2: Yeah, and um, I'm sure a lot of Bills fans aren't going to enjoy waking up tomorrow to all the wide right comparisons and headlines and memes and everything. Like like that's going to be painful, but just a weird loss for the bills. Cause I was watching. I thought Josh Allen played really well. It just, when he has a, a game like he did today, just felt any third and 10, he can just pick up 20 hearts with his legs. No problem. And I was kind of waiting for him to make the big mistake. He tends to make in games they lose. And it was credit. He didn't like, he did fumble at the end, but it was a great job. by you know, Dalton Kincaid to, to knock the ball and the, the bills to jump on it to, to save that possession, but just felt like they couldn't get anything going at the end and just kept tripping up. And, you're right. I mean, this is now 4 years in a row where they've kind of just gotten stuck in the same spot. And even though they've had a lot of success, even though they're clearly the the top of their division with all due respect to the Dolphins, I just know you have to shake something up just for the sake of shaking something up, don't you? For not just your fan base, but internally. Like I think Sean McDermott has done an unbelievable job taking that franchise from being an absolute, you know, laughing stock and, and a train wreck into what they've become now where they have been a perennial contender um i just i don't know what you can do moving forward i think you have to make some big change and it's not going to be josh allen who i think proved again today he's you know top five top three top two quarterback in the nfl it sucks to say because i think if he were to be on the street sean mcdermott would get a lot of calls about being a, a head coach somewhere else but If I'm Buffalo, I think that's something I have to explore because this is now four years in a row where you've kind of just gotten stuck in the same spot.
0: And to their defense, I mean, each of these last two losses to the Chiefs are on other days are wins. Like these were real coin flip games. Yeah. And sometimes those go against you. And that's what's the trouble with the playoffs, a single elimination tournament, is that when the coin flip goes against you and it can a couple times in a row, that's the way it works, right? And so this team, if if that overtime game in twenty twenty one goes differently, we're viewing this current situation differently. If this game today goes differently, which it very well could have, that would be that would go another direction as well. And so i I think that I think that like it's tough to put too much stock in into this. like it's it's you have to take the emotion out of it and say, we keep getting there. We keep getting close. at some point we're going to break through. But, I mean, four seasons is a long time. We're out of the kind of Josh Allen time. I, I, It's tough, Curtis.
1: Uh, if you believe Mike McCarthy should be replaced because he can't get it done in the playoffs, so you have to think Sean McDermott needs to be replaced. It, there, it's the same situation, except Sean McDermott's had a better quarterback and probably a more mature, ready-to-win team. So. You say it's on coin flips, they still didn't get it done. And at some point in time, if you can't get it done, I don't think you should be able to just keep your job just because of oh, it was a tough situation here, it was a tough situation there. I I come up to the Sean McDermott has been so tentative all year, and then that fake punt play, like what what is that call? If if you're gonna just keep Josh Allen on the field, no one no one gets mad at you if you keep Josh Al- Allen on the field there. Let let your best player. Give your best player the ball and absolutely give him the chance. No no one's going to second guess if he keeps Josh Allen on the field and, and then to try to fake it that way or at least let your kicker throw the ball. Is, he, he hasn't got it done. So, if again, he's going to keep his job because the Bills have been good and we'll probably be having the same conversation next year because there was a couple times in this game where Josh Allen was afraid to make the Josh Allen play because – There was a potential he could turn the ball over. It has been beaten into his mind to protect the ball at all costs. Well, sometimes Josh Allen just needs to do what Josh Allen does, and if it ends up in a turnover, it ends up in a turnover, or he makes a big play. There was a couple throws in the fourth. He was just scared to turn the ball over, and I want to lean that that's from from the coaching side. But it it is what it is. They had they've had a great team, and losing to Patrick Mahomes, everyone seems to do it. So. Except Lamar Jackson, uh, kind of a,
0: a counterpoint to that, and we actually had a comment in here um, from Marcus talking about the fourth down decision, which was again, you're exactly right. They got lucky after that fourth down decision, Marcus. Uh, but he, I kind of mentioned this at the at the beginning, where I said there was a, a some weird decisions from Allen on that final drive. Uh, I believe it was Shakir he targeted in the end zone instead of taking. Uh, an easier pass to digs. And so like he did also kind of try to make some Allen throws where maybe a a check down would have been better there too. So yeah, it was kind of an odd, it was a kind of odd mix of things, Marcus. I think you're, you're right on, on that analysis, kind of what, what was there. And again, he ended a great game and that's what it was. It was an absolutely great game and hopefully we're going to get another one next week when the chiefs go to Baltimore, the Ravens wrote a big second half they were able to pull away from the Texans. The only touchdown the Texans got was a punt return. They were able to shut down C.J. Stroud. And the Ravens are headed to the AFC Championship game, as I think everybody thought they would be. I guess my question for the Ravens kind of coming out of this is, do we have any concern about kind of how the first half went? Curtis, when I'm thinking about, like, the first half, they only got 10 uh, ten points. They, you know, they was tied 10-10 after that punt return any concern about that or is it just, you know, if they were off a bye week it was a little rusty, you know, it was, it was fine.
1: Uh, yeah. I'm taking, I'm taking that uh, approach that the defense really didn't give up any, but they gave up a field goal because the punt return isn't on the defense. And then, then the offense got a little more comfortable in the second half. Again, they didn't have any big plays. We've seen a lot of teams carve up that Texans defense, but maybe that's some adjustments by D'Amico Ryan's not to give up the big plays since the, Joe Flacco, Amari Cooper game, and maybe he actually made a really good adjustment over there. But yeah, the once we saw Lamar get cooking and get moving his legs and them trusting him there, it, and the weather was a factor too. It, it's hard to play outdoors in Baltimore in the, in the wind. So uh, yeah, I, I just have so much confidence in that defense over there that they're going to be tough to beat next week and and then two weeks after that.
0: Uh, Curtis is already putting them at the Super Bowl the Ravens are already putting out the Ravens at the Super Bowl what about you Tucker any worries coming out of that game or are you still view the, the Ravens as the clear favorite here
2: yeah I don't know if they're the clear favorite because I just have a hard time betting against Patrick Mahomes in, in any situation or at least just discounting him like they, they should be the favorites they have been the best team in the AFC for the last you know three months or so but yeah I just I look at what they did in the second half they just outclassed Houston. You you know, Curtis mentioned D'Amico Ryan's not allowing any big plays. And as a result, they ran for 230 yards and absolutely just gashed them up the middle and, and sort of imposed their will. So I'm not necessarily worried. I think it was just a matter of them knocking off the rust, starting a little slow. Against a team that that played, you know, pretty inspired after an emotional win last week. Um, you know, I, I came away from that game thinking the Ravens were were clearly the better team as they should have been. And I'm excited for two teams who might be playing their best football right now, you know, meeting in Baltimore next week.
0: I I thought the second half adjustments were really impressive. Lamar Jackson actually had one more carry in the first half than he had in the second half, but only two of his six were designed runs. All five of his carries in the second half were designed runs that very clearly was something they were looking to do coming out of halftime, and you love to see those types of adjustments. And then the defense. I mean, the defense is suffocating, and I mentioned it when we were talking about the chiefs, the chiefs have had an advantage each of the last two weeks with the linebacker situation, the injury situation on both, both defenses. They're not going to have that here with Baltimore and this Baltimore defense is arguably the best defense in the league. And so this is a, this is a really tough spot for an offense that before the last two weeks, we had a lot of questions about, and I still have questions about. So yeah, I, I see the Ravens as a, pretty big favorite. I actually think that number three and a half is lower than it should be because of Mahomes. Fair enough. Patrick Mahomes is going to go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks that's ever played the game. But I, I think the Ravens are better are a, better than them. Um, better than that point spread is what I would say. So I guess I'm saying I would take the Ravens. Is that the easiest way to say it? Agreed. I don't know. I'm
1: 100% on your side. That That's if the... Bills were only two and a half point favorites, then the Ravens have to be more than three and a half point favorites. And and I think the line was probably correct today anyways.
0: On the other side here, we have the Texans, who obviously it's a disappointing loss for them. But I mean, this season has definitely been a success for them. They've solved the quarterback position. They still, I mean, even with what they gave up to get um, to get Will Anderson, they still have Cleveland's pick in the first round. It's like 24th or something like that. They have the third most cap space. They do have a lot of free agents. I think like almost half their team is free agents, including um, like Greenard and and Nelson and Schultz and Singletary and people like that. And so they do have some free agents, but they also have a lot of cap space. I mean, they're in a great position. Anything that you just like if you're looking at this team and what you want them to do this offseason, Tucker, anything kind of
2: really stick out to you that you're hoping for the Texans. Yeah. I mean, I just want to see them, you know, solidify that defense a little bit more, but I mean, for the most part, I think for the first time since like 2018, the arrow is, is firmly pointing up in Houston. You have a coach that everyone is a fan of. You figured out the quarterback position for the first time since, I mean, we can say Deshaun Watson, but maybe Matt Schaub, if we want to go back that far. You have a wide receiver who's probably the best you've had since, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, um, and Nico Collins. Like this is an offense that I think is, is really good to go moving forward. And, you know, in a division like the AFC South, which we've talked about, I think could be a tough division with Anthony Richardson, uh, coming back in Indianapolis, you have Tennessee making wholesale changes, but you have Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence coming back. That's going to be a competitive division, but I think right now, what we saw from Houston and their rookie quarterback, if they can you know, kind of keep the offense together and and bring back the offensive coordinator and and kind of build on this momentum, it should be interesting to see them, you know, kind of compete. And I think having CJ Stroud being compared to not just rookie quarterbacks, but other top quarterbacks in the NFL will be the next test for him as a second year player.
1: Yeah. uh, I'll touch on that too. Uh, Singletary, Schultz—that's part of the offense. I don't really know how good those players are. So sure, they're losing veteran players, but Dalton Schultz—we've seen him miss some really easy plays that he was schemed open for in these last two games. I, as a Cowboy fan, I've had to watch Dalton Schultz. He's a guy. He's just a guy, man. Uh, you, you can. There's uh, some athletic tight tight ends out there that I'm going and uh, securing a really athletic tight end that can make some plays, not just. Uh, Dalton Schultz is similar to Zach Ertz and, and that might hurt some people in that, but he's, he's going to get you open, but he's not going to do anything after he has the ball in his hands either. So there's that, uh, Singletary, they, they've got some later picks. You can throw a few darts that are running back. You got Damian Pierce, who's probably not going to fit into that running system, but may, maybe Bobby Sloak isn't there. And, and if Bobby Sloak is there, and I'm D'Amico Rines. I'm t- telling him to have a really hard look at this season. Go back, st- stop listening to how good you've been and go do some self-scouting because I know they put CJ Stroud behind the chains a lot this year and just learn from how they can just let Stroud, Nico, Tank Dell cook next year. Go, Go get some more offensive line depth and just let that team cook.
0: If on the tight ends, like the prop, the problem is, is there aren't any other free agent tight ends. Like we're talking Hunter Henry, Noah Fant. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's interesting. Cheaper, Mike Noah Fant, Gerald, <laughs> Gerald Everett, Gasecki. Yeah. Oh, bring, bring back Miami, Gaseki I've, I've been saying that. I've been saying that for years. Yeah. I, there's not a lot. I, I think you've both nailed it. Uh, they could use more talent on defense. Uh, you know, at the, at the key position, especially um, in the secondary and more weapons, more and improved weapons for Stroud. That's, that's the path forward for them. And they have the resources to do it So that could be, that could be very interesting. Moving over to the NFC here, the Packers nearly shocked the world against the 49ers really, I mean, pushed them the 40, I mean, the Packers probably should have won this game against the 49ers, but Purdy pulls out a late comeback win in a game. He didn't. Play well at all, and the 49ers are able to move on to the NFC Championship game. And I guess the story coming out of this game is Purdy and how how much he struggled in this game, both with the weather and with his accuracy. He was all over the place. And uh, we also lost Debo Samuel in this game to a shoulder injury. So Tucker, you can touch on that as well. There are concerns. They won the game, but there are concerns for the 49ers coming out of this. So I guess we'll start with Debo
2: Tucker and just kind of your thoughts on him and the offense in general. Yeah. I mean, this is an offense we've talked about for a while that if everyone's healthy, they're unstoppable. And we kind of saw what happened last, you know, on, on Saturday where everyone wasn't healthy, right? Brock birdie struggled with the rain. Debo was out the last three quarters. McCaffrey still did, His thing, he had 100 rushing yards and and two touchdowns and kind of carried the load. And George Kittle had a a pretty big day. But I don't know, for the first time in a while, they they looked kind of human. And I I think for me, you can look at it two ways. I'm almost just as impressed that I thought the 49ers played terribly for most of the game and and still pulled out that win. Now, Green Bay, I think, probably deserved to win. They shot themselves in the foot a few times towards the end of that game and, and let San Francisco take over in the fourth quarter. But I mean, for that team that really just got outplayed for most of the game to still come out and, and win, even though their quarterback played terribly, even though they missed probably their second best offensive player for most of the game, um, you know, I, I thought it was a pretty pretty big win for them because it just shows how high their floor is, how how much they can do even when things aren't going their way. And when you talk about the the injury to Debo Samuel, I don't know how concerned to be because it seems like everyone's saying something different, like how Shanahan came out and compared it to the injury he suffered in Cleveland earlier this year, which is a hairline fracture in, in his shoulder, which he missed three weeks um, for in the middle of the season, which coincides with their losing streak um, that they suffered in, in October. But then Michael Irvin said he was texting with Debo Samuel, and he said it's fine. It feels a lot better than it did. When he got injured in Cleveland, when he got hurt in the beginning of the season, he wasn't able to move his arm. He is now. So I don't think it's as bad. I don't think it's a multi-week injury, but I do think it's something that will affect, if it doesn't affect his uh, you know, activity on game day, whether or not he's active or inactive, I think it will affect his target share and just how much he's used in that offense. Because we've seen that before too, with Kyle Shanahan. Where if a guy is 85 to you know 70 percent and not not fully healthy. They tend to pull the reins back a little bit and and not necessarily use him the way they would.
0: So I I think obviously Debo the Debo injury is, is important and it's a big deal. I think that a lot more is placed on this injury situation than maybe should because you know of that losing streak, that three-game losing streak. I actually think some turnover variants had more to do with that losing streak than than anything else. If you look at their offense in the final two games. It was fine. I mean, Purdy averaged like 10 yards per attempt or something like that. And they got some turnovers, and they ended up losing those games. The Cleveland game was bad, but the Cleveland game, like this game, was a rain game. And I think that that might be actually what we're looking at here is Purdy in the rain. He just doesn't know what to do. He can't grip the ball. He's erratic. It was very See, clear that it affected him. I actually don't know. I haven't looked it up yet, but it's it's odd to me like how much it seems to affect him. And that maybe that's the bigger te- takeaway, Curtis. Is if it's raining outside, then we need to be worried about Purdy. But otherwise, I think you know we'll be fine.
1: I, I I'm worried about Purdy if Aiden Hutchinson is coming his way. We saw Baker Mayfield who did a really good job of avoiding sacks all year, so that they, they're going to have to have an answer for Aiden Hutchinson because when Purdy's kept clean, there's no issues. He gets the ball off, and and there's no rain. But once pressure comes we saw it even last night there was a couple times just inklings of pressure and he just it's almost a revisiting that baltimore game he just made terrible decision after terrible decision with the ball and he got away with a couple on the turnover variants last night that could have went the other way and yeah i think they're fortunate to win but they still got the job done and we'll, we'll see what happens next week i still think they're the class of this conference i don't think the other than Aiden Hutchinson, if he doesn't get there, Brandon Ayuk is going to get wide open. The Detroit Lions cannot cover tight ends. They have George Kittle. Just don't let him fall to second and long and you should be fine. And I don't know if the, uh, 49ers defense is going to give up as much today as to Jared Goff. right? Like they, they've got some answers now that they have chase young there. So. I still like the 49ers next week.
0: That was actually one of my one of my things for this game with the Packers. Is when I was trying to figure out what's the path for the Packers to win this game. I didn't know that you know Purdy just couldn't grip the ball in the rain. Tucker looked it up. Nine point two five inches. That's not twenty fourth percentile. But it's, so yeah,
2: it, is,
0: over, not, it is not. It's not Kenny
2: Pickett, but. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he, he's over the nine-inch nine threshold that we hear about every draft season. Does anybody know? Do y'all know? Do we have any quarterbacks or, or any of the top quarterbacks? Are we going to have fun hand-sized conversations at Heardy the Combine he missed, for anybody? He, he,
1: I already missed that conversation because he wasn't even considered, right? He was the last guy drafted. He wasn't even considered a top quarterback. Who cares how big his hands are? We're taking him with the last yeah. pick.
0: Yeah, we didn't even have – we didn't get to have the fun. But, I mean, the Packers were able to get pressure. They have 43.9% uh, pressure rate, uh, according to True Media. And so they were able to get pressure. And like you said, that is something the Lions can do. And so if we are – the Lions were eighth in pressure without blitzing on in the season. So they can get pressure. And so that is a, a great point that if we're looking at that Lions game – and we'll get to the Lions here in a second – that is one thing the Lions can do. That is something we have a history of Purdy struggling against. And so maybe that's maybe that's the path there uh, for him. Um, I guess I want to talk about the Packers. Before we get to the Lions and kind of that game, I do want to give the Packers their shine because this was a very good season for them. Uh, the question I kind of put in the doc was, should we the Packers look at this season as an overachievement or a missed opportunity? Because, Tucker, you mentioned it. This game, the Packers had every chance to win this game. And so you might look at it as a missed opportunity. You know, you never know when you're going to get back. I kind of view it as, hey, we we did more than we expected. But it's kind of a, a tough situation. Where do you kind of stand on that, Tucker?
2: Yeah, I, I think probably preseason, the expectations or the goal of the Packers season was, is Jordan Love the guy, right? Is Jordan Love the franchise quarterback? Do we have to think about, about that position now or... Can we wait a decade and do it all over again like we did in, you know, 2005 and the 90s with Brett Favre? And I think the answer is yes, right? It's a resounding yes. Jordan Love is the guy. So I think from that perspective, it was a successful season. You probably did overachieve because you weren't expected to get this far and, you know, be up against a team that's the Super Bowl favorites with about, you know, seven minutes to go or whatever it was. But, yeah, I mean, that's going to be a hard pill to swallow, I think, if you're a Packers fan today. Kind of thinking back to that game. As you mentioned, like there were just a number of points in that fourth quarter where they had a chance to put it away. They they had a chance to to really just put it out of reach and they couldn't do it. And unfortunately, the way the Chiefs are the the you know boogie band for the Bills, 49ers are kind of that way for the Packers. Like Aaron Rodgers struggled against them throughout his career. They had a lot of weird losses to the Pack or to the 49ers, even when they were prohibited favorites. I um, think about two years ago in that weird 13-10 game they lost because of a blocked Um, It's just, I don't know, the 49ers just have the Packers number, even when the Packers seem to outplay them as big underdogs on the road like they were last night. They just couldn't figure it out at the end.
0: Yeah, I mean, they the first half also, I mean, they scored, I think, six points on three red zone drives in the first half. So that's another missed opportunity to put the put the 49ers in negative game script. So yeah, there were missed opportunities. There's no real doubt about that and you're right that I I kind of you forget about the recent playoff history of the Packers because they've had so much success and you know, they've won relatively recently a Super Bowl and there are other teams in their division that you think about a playoff disappointment more more than them for sure. Um but yeah, the the it hasn't been great in the playoffs with their expectations the last, you know, five years or so. And this game, though, know, they didn't have those expectations, but still to have that slip, you know, it does hurt. But ultimately, I mean, Curtis, they're they're just in a great position moving forward. And ultimately, I just think this this has to be seen as a good season.
1: Yeah. A- absolutely. So did they let one slip last night? Ab- absolutely. They were the better team, I think, for whole game and they just didn't capitalize and and that happens and it's tough they've got so many rookies on that team that it happens but at one point i was telling my wife that they're going to they're going to win this game and then they're we saw what they did to detroit on thanksgiving like they're going to end up as like two uh two touchdown underdogs against the ravens in the finals like what that's not made for tv so maybe maybe it's a good thing they did didn't win last night but when we look back to week seven i know my opinion on jordan love and i think i know your opinion on jordan love we we were casting this guy away and so for him to rally and finish the season the way he did and matt lafleur to kudos to Matt LaFleur. I think he changed his stripes a bit this season. I I've seen some of the biggest coaching improvement from within him this year. So all in all at seven, seven weeks into that season, I think this was a lost season for the Packers and to see them have success in the playoffs and find their next hall of fame. <laughs> but I know we're giving him too many, too many accolades, but Hold on. I, I thought Calm until down. that last throw of the game last night, I thought he showed so much more composure than Brock Purdy. I, I just thought he thought the game a little bit better than Purdy yesterday and looked so good until that last throw of the game. You can't make that throw, but I I don't know if I'm ready to proclaim him as the next big thing or like is CJ C. Stroud good, but the signs are there. He, he made some really good decisions down the stretch. He turned the ball over once in the last, what was it? Seven, eight weeks. Uh, second in touchdown passes this season. And week seven, I thought they were needing to look for a quarterback to finish out the rest of the season. So pretty crazy how that turned around. And yeah, did they let it slip? Yep. But they still overachieved and it has to be, uh, look, you have to be happy as a Packer fan looking forward.
0: I think that Matt LaFleur that you brought up, Matt LaFleur is important because there was a significant noticeable shift. And the way that they ran their offense, and very clearly, they went from an offense that Jordan Love was not functioning well in, and was not doing well in, really attacking deep, um, and, and not really trying to plan out deep shots and use play action to do so, just throwing the ball deep, and it was not working, and they fixed it, and Matt LaFleur changed and they became more aggressive in the first half, and they tried to get out to Leeds. And I think he deserves a ton of credit. Jordan Love obviously deserves a ton of credit as well, but they figured out what worked for Love, and he was able to do it. And that's obviously a big deal. I think I saw a stat. I think this is the youngest playoff team in like 50 years or something like that. They're very young. They have young playmakers. They have a good offensive line. There are some questions on there. The offensive line isn't so young, uh, so there are some age and free agency questions. They got a good offensive line. They need some help on defense, but yeah, they're – they're in a really really good spot. The final game here, the Lions a late interception helps them hang on against the Bucks. The Bucks did make a a comeback here but the Lions are able to win. I think coming out of this game there are a couple stories. One of them really plays into the game next week. So we'll we'll save that one, but I think Jared Goff and what he was able to do in the fourth quarter. He was exceptional in the fourth quarter, 11 of 12 for 131 yards in a touchdown. They put the ball in his hands. He was able to make the plays that he needed to make. I think that this was a very good game for... Jared Goff. I don't know if that's going to happen again as we go outside in San Francisco on the road, places that things that have not been great for Goff throughout his career. But I think coming out of this game, you have to you have to feel pretty good, Tucker, about about where Goff was and what he was able to do.
2: Yeah, I mean, he looked the part of a franchise quarterback. And it's just funny for a guy who really was cast off after a rookie, and then he was viewed as, you know, just Sean McVay's pet and wasn't a real franchise quarterback and then he was cast off by the the rams as you know just kind of salary filler and was brought into detroit just to be the bridge quarterback until they figured something out and now you're one win away from the super bowl and and this guy as much as anybody is the reason for it i just think is an incredible story and what he did in the fourth quarter in a game where it I don't know if it, it felt like it was slipping away you were up you know 14 with about you know six minutes to go and then you gave up that that touchdown with under four to go but i mean for the most part jared goff made the place he had to make he, he did the things he was asked to do and they're gonna be big underdogs going into to san francisco that's not a place that has necessarily been kind to jared goff and, and we know his splits when he's inside in ford field versus the road and and being outside in the elements but I mean man what what we saw I think you know earlier today I don't know if a lot of people expected to see Jared Goff do that
0: Yeah and I have a I actually have a um a tweet here from Rich Eisen who said here's a list of the quarterbacks to take two different franchises to championship games this century Tom Brady Peyton Manning Brett Favre Kurt Warner and Jared Goff not a not a bad list to be on, uh, golf. And also, I mean, it's just another example of how it's it's just wild how well this trade worked out for both teams. Both teams probably make this trade again. The Lions are in a much better position than where they were before they made that trade. The Rams obviously won a Super Bowl, and if you win a championship, that whatever you did to get to that championship is worth it. That is obviously a very good trade for them. And so both both teams are coming out of this, you know, feeling feeling pretty good. The other kind of part of this, and Curtis, you brought it up a little bit, I the Lions defense again, their pass defense again, got lit up in this game by Mike Evans over over the last five games the Lions have played. They've given up 411 passing yards to Nick Mullins, 345 passing yards to Dak Prescott. 396 passing yards to Nick Mullins again, 367 passing yards to Matthew Stafford and 349 passing yards to Baker Mayfield. I know the Lions, the, uh, excuse me, the 49ers didn't, you know, their passing game didn't look great, but this week, but I mean, the history we have of them is they can throw the ball And this feels like a, this feels like a really tough ask for this Lions defense, Curtis, what we've seen from them recently.
1: Yeah, what what is Aaron Glenn's answer when he's getting interviewed for these coach head coaching positions? Is, is he hiding the stats from any everybody that's interviewing him because this defense has just got uh, steamrolled every game? Mike Mike Evans left yards on the table today, like probably eighty yards on the table. This this defense is a problem, and Brandon Ayuk runs the routes that are going to get him open next week. So it's an interesting situation. I do want to touch on another thing looking for good for the Packers moving forward. Is this Jared Goff extension coming up? Cause I'm, I'm not a Jared Goff believer. Jer- Jared Goff yeah. at $45 million for multiple years without Ben Johnson moving forward. Uh, yeah. It, advantage Packers and bears, but yeah, I, I don't know. They're going to have to – if they don't create pressure, uh, Brock Purdy is going to have a field day with these guys.
0: Well, Lions did have an injury I wanted to hit on with Jonah Jackson.
2: Uh, they're they're really good uh, guard.
0: Tucker, did you see Did you see anything about that coming out of the game?
2: Yeah, Dan Campbell said it doesn't look good, which doesn't sound good. Although Dan Campbell said <laughs> before the wild card round that Sam Laporta was a long shot to play, and I really yeah, took that. Dan Campbell made out. it
0: seem – Dan Cable made it seem like Sam LaPorta was dead.
2: Yeah, I, I, he I he thought his was completely bitten off. Did, did like, I, I thought he had come out of the was. locker room with nothing below his mid-thigh. And, and sure enough, he ends up catching the, the touchdown to start the game. And he had another big game again today, um, especially in, in the first half. So, I don't know, maybe take it at, at face value. But I, I, don't, I don't know if he's going to be out there. He missed uh, some time earlier in the season. Frank Ragnow seemed to have another injury too, but he seems to play through everything, played through a crushed trachea like three years ago during the uh, the COVID season. So I don't think anything's going to keep him off the field for an NFC championship game. So I would expect him to be out there, but Jonah Jackson, I think is probably 50-50 at best. And that's just because I don't believe anything Dan Campbell says right now.
0: Yeah, that, that would definitely be a blow to the offensive line, which is, very important part of the Lions' success. Last but not least here, talking about the Bucs, another season that was unexpected for them to be in this position, another, I think, what has to be viewed as a successful season. I think talking about their their kind of offseason and where they go from here is far more interesting than the Texans and Packers, because this team was quietly kind of old, right, especially in very key spots. They have free agents. They've got Baker Mayfield's a free agent. Mike Evans is a free agent. Devin White is a free agent. Levante David is a free agent. Antoine Winfield is a free agent. So they have, and they have other free agents as well. So they have a lot of free agent issues. And so they're going to have to answer a question about what they really think they are. And are we just going to run this back? Are we going to try to bring back Evans and Mayfield? I think they probably have to bring back Mayfield. Or are we going to try to bring back everybody on defense? Or are we going to try to get into more of like a middle rebuilding phase and a division that doesn't seem to want to win. I, I don't know, Curtis, this is a very interesting spot for the Bucks to be.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it to have them be at this spot is pretty crazy. Cause I didn't anticipate them having this much success this year. And I'm not a big believer in Todd Bowles game management, but he sure knows defense and he had some early blitzes early on in this game today. And, I think there's enough talent there on defense that you can pick pick a couple of those free agents and bring them back and be able to find some younger pieces because the defense has struggled with health over the past couple of years. That's always been their bugaboo is some of those guys don't stay on the field. So I would let the injury prone guys go. And then then you're in a situation with Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans. Does Mike Evans want to be back? That's, does he? He's only got a couple of years left. Does he want to go... Chase a ring somewhere. I know there's some AFC teams with really good quarterbacks that could probably use some wide receiver help on the outside and he would fit in really good. So it, it what does Mike Evans want to do? And then the Baker Mayfield question. I still would I would have more confidence in Baker Mayfield than Jared Goff. I thought he looked really good again today. He was he was absolutely dealing early on. And my opinion of Baker Mayfield at the beginning of the year is like. Shouldn't have been a number one overall pick, and he he turned some eyes this year. So, kudos to him. Uh, I know Dave Canales kind of improved his play calling. So they've got a good defensive coach. They've got an offensive mind that changed his ways a bit. And so you can't really rebuild completely, but a little bit of a retool, and they there's good enough to compete in that division. What what's the ceiling? Who knows? But there's only a couple teams that are perennial Super Bowl contenders. So you you got to. Bring back what you can, and then they still have some money, anyways.
0: I mean, you have to bring back Winfield. He's young; he's a star. I yeah. think you definitely have to bring him back yeah. with Evans. So Evans is interesting because I assume when you're talking about uh, teams that could use a, uh, a wide receiver with good quarterbacks, we're actually talking about two teams we watch play today, right? The Chiefs, the Chiefs, and the Bills for sure. Evans is a Houston area, a Houston area guy. I I mean, obviously the Texans have Nico Collins, but they have money and they could use some weapons. Think of Mike Evans, Nico Collins, Tank Dell. That's not a bad, that's not a bad little trio. That could be, that could be an interesting thing. Any thoughts on?
1: on Could use an outside guy that. Zay Flowers isn't really. He's a shifty kind of guy. Mike Mike Evans is different, and all four teams that made the final four here could use a guy like that.
0: I and anybody, any team could use Mike Evans, as I think, is <laughs> I think the bigger the bigger point here. You've given up on Bateman, man.
1: That's actually the headline. We should have talked about, talked about uh, that at the beginning. What what has he done this year? I, I, yeah, threw in the towel. Oh, that's
0: sorry, Rashad, that you, you might have, you might have lost the, the last, uh, the last man standing on, on Bateman Island. What about you, Tucker, this Baker situation? Any, any strong
2: thoughts either way? Yeah, I just think. You know, Baker Mayfield is kind of underwhelmed throughout his career. We kind of looked at last two seasons that he's been relatively healthy it was the 2020 season where they went 11 and five in Cleveland. And then he kind of had a bum shoulder and, and tried to play through it and really struggled. And then he had last year where he went to Carolina, which is an absolute dumpster fire. And I don't think any quarterback really could have been successful there. You could have had prime Joe Montana or Tom Brady under center. They still would have lost a lot of games. Then he had a weirdly inspiring victory as the quarterback of the Rams, and then he had to beat out Kyle Trask for his job here. But he had another decent season here, and he's only 28 years old. We talk about Jared Goff maybe being you know, somewhat of a late bloomer. And if I'm Tampa Bay, I don't know if there's a better option out there right now than Baker and Mayfield, right? Like you're not going to really get a shot at one of the top quarterbacks in the draft. You're certainly not going to draft one from where you are you're not going to take one on, on day two or day three who could beat out Baker Mayfield from day one. So I don't know. I, I think you bring him back next year. You probably don't have to pay him 40 or $50 million based on what he's done and kind of what his reputation is around the league. So I think you bring him back and you try to retool. Cause as you mentioned, it's a pretty weak division. And if you're, you know, Tampa Bay right now, even though your team's a little older and you have some, some free agents, you can kind of rebuild a little bit and retool around the edges. You can be set up to at least be the best team in your own division the next couple of years and, and get a
1: home playoff game. Two you years think the health 70 million. Who says no? Yeah, I think no, that's probably I mean, if right.
0: If I'm Baker, I take that and I run with it. He's $70 million. I
1: think he thinks he This is Baker Mayfield. I, I don't know if he takes it. That's the problem. <laughs> and, and I, you can't give him more than two years and I wouldn't, guarantee a lot of that second year money but yeah it
0: it's gonna be interesting are we gonna get him back in commercials because i i miss baker commercials he was good <laughs> at commercials let's just get him back he's in some relevant
1: again absolutely he's coming back
0: yeah, yeah. he was good at it all right we have to make our predictions for next week tristan in the chat uh wants us to stop putting his ravens at the super bowl already i don't like your chances here uh tristan tucker who if you look at early look, early thoughts, who do you think is going to be in the Super Bowl day after next week?
2: Chiefs, 49ers. I'll take. I'll make sure Tristan doesn't feel that upset by the end of this. I just, I'll just. i take the Chiefs, and I'll take the 49ers. I think the 49ers have been the class of the NFL, really, from, from week one. They've had a chip on their shoulders since what happened at the end of last season. And I think the Lions could have some success, especially offensively, the way the Packers ran all over them with Aaron Jones. I think Jameer Gibbs might have some similar success with those outside zone runs that, that he tends to like um, in that offensive scheme, but I don't think the lions can, can stop San Francisco offensively. So that sets up for a fun game. I I think it could be high scoring, but I think San Francisco is still a step ahead of everybody else. And Ravens chiefs. Like, I think the Ravens are a better, more well-rounded team 100%, but I just feel weird betting against Patrick Mahomes. I know he hasn't been the same guy. I know this offense doesn't have the same weapons, I know I'm like talking myself into Rasheed Rice being like the next great wide receiver, even though we had like 40 yards today, but it felt like he was really impactful. I think the Ravens should be favored. They are favored by three and a half. I just think it feels like one of those games where if the Chiefs win, everyone goes, oh my God, can you believe Patrick Mahomes did it again? Maybe stop doubting him. Maybe stop doubting this guy. And as you know, Matt put in the chat here, plus 220 for Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl, I'll take that.
0: What about you Curtis? Who you got?
1: Yeah, I'm not picking a team in that one. I, I'm a I'm an ultimate Pat Mahomes fanboy. He's been in the Super Bowl how many times? In the one he kind of got jobbed on a call against Tom Brady that he didn't. So he's he's lost one game to Joe Burrow that I can count as a loss. <laughs> and uh, I I, you know, I do believe in Mike McDonald though, so it, it, that's going to be a great game. I'm I'm excited for that. But I do think the Ravens should probably be five or six point favorites because they are the better team, but Again, I you know the conversation we had when you bet on the Eagles against Pat Mahomes. Like, just don't don't ever bet against Pat Mahomes. If the, if we've learned one thing in our life, don't ever bet against Patrick Mahomes, even though it worked out for you that day. It, it shouldn't have. And I, and yeah, the, I, I, 49ers, I was going to say, I I don't think the last good Eagles of, win. <laughs> I I don't it think very bother, highly huh? of this Lions team, and I I think the 49ers with or without were are on their way to the Super Bowl and hopefully they don't win in the Super Bowl.
0: <laughs> um wait was it the last was that not the last
2: Eagles win It was the Bills game after that? No, they beat the Bills the next week and then I don't oh, remember that, what happened. After, that. after
1: And then they beat the Giants <laughs> one time as well. <laughs> They're
2: still ten and one in my head. They're still ten <laughs> and one and we're still a month away from Christmas. So <laughs> It's all been blocked out.
0: It's all been blocked out for Tucker. Uh, yeah, the, the exact odds here: Ravens 49ers plus 110, Chiefs 49ers plus 220, Ravens Lions plus 450, Chiefs Lions plus 750. That uh, Chiefs Lions, I that would be a wild outcome. Absolutely wild outcome. We've got Chiefs lines. I mean, I think we're pretty clear where I am here. Ravens, 49ers. I've been thinking that that was going to be where we go for. I think that the Ravens and 49ers have, for the entire season, been the two clearly best teams. And so I am, I am, I hope that that's what we end up with because I think they are the best teams. And I'd like to see a rematch of, of that. Well, that's it for us. We'll be back. Next week, again, to recap after the championship games, whatever happens in those games, when the Lions and Chiefs win and we end up with a wild, a wild ending, we'll be there to talk about it. Make sure you head over to our YouTube channel and subscribe so you get notified when we go live. Head over to sharpfootballanalysis.com. I have a ton of content this week coming out, and we'll be back to talk with you next week.